you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we do thank you, just along with Matt, and we just do thank you, Lord, for sending your son. This is a time of year, Lord, when even people that really don't believe, they think they do, they, they really, they, they come to church, and they hear the gospel, they hear that you sent his son. And Father, this year I pray that as the message goes forth from all the Christian churches, Lord, that you would speak loud and clear to all of our hearts, Lord God, and we would fall on our knees and worship you. Not only did you come as a baby in a manger, but you even were teaching the scribes and Pharisees when you were 12. And then you started your ministry at 30. And for three and a half years or a little longer, Lord, you taught us, you instructed us, you gave us words of beauty that nobody could ever match. You gave us information that we never knew. And here we are, since you were crucified, dead, buried, and risen the third day, here we are, worshiping you 2,000 years later. And if you tarry for another 2,000, there's going to be believers on the earth worshiping you forever because we humbly wait for your return to get us out of here. Although yes. we're ambassadors in this world, Father God, we don't belong to this world anymore. The day you saved us, we were called out of darkness into light from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. And you forgave and washed away our sins, and we're so thankful to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your great, great love towards us that you would send your son. Lord, there's no greater love than that, that a man laid down his life for another. And that's what you did, Lord Jesus. You laid down your life for us. We give you the praise, the glory, the honor, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For those of you standing, you may be seated. For those of you online, again, you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I just wanted to remind you again, you know, and uh, Pastor Brett Hayes from Brazil. Well, he's from here, but he's a missionary to Brazil. He's a missionary. I know he preached in Belgium and Sweden and stuff like that, and uh you know, he's part of this church, so we're very thankful. But, you know, as we sang that song just the other day, I know that, you know, uh, oh, holy night, I'm thinking like, God spoke to me. He says, you know, Joe, he says, when you sat on that rock in South Vietnam, sitting over the, sitting over the ammo dump in, in the South China Sea, he said that was a holy night for you. Because I sat on that rock, and I'm waiting to get assigned to my unit, and they're telling me, you don't want to get into the 538th Combat Engineers. <laughs> and I said, all my life I knew I was headed there. <laughs> they came and picked me up, but the Lord said to me, that was a holy night. That was the night that you called out to me. And that was a night that six and a half years later, I received him as my savior, but it was a night that I'll never Amen. forget. And here it is almost 50 years later, and I'm still telling you. It was a holy night. This was a holy night when the angels, I think Brett's going to be teaching on that because he's in Luke chapter 2. It was a holy night when the Lord showed up. But think about it, but on a carnal view, before we go on, from a carnal view, you know if there was no Christmas, there wouldn't be any wreaths in this place. There wouldn't be these... Uh, this, the kings come to worship a savior 
There wouldn't be any holly. There wouldn't be any mistletoes for you to kiss your loved ones. There wouldn't be any of that because Christmas doesn't exist. Didn't exist. You know, there wouldn't be a Christmas tree in your home or you wouldn't get Christmas cards in the mail if it wasn't for Christmas, if it wasn't for Jesus coming. That's a carnal point of view at it. But you know, there's a spiritual point of view. There would be little godliness in this world. Because man's heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. And, and Noah, when, when God told Noah to build the ark, he said, man's heart is evil continually. There would be no goodness in this world. You know, there would be no, no cross that you'd wear around your neck. An instrument of death, think of that. You're wearing an instrument of death around your neck. Why, don't, why not wear a guillotine? You know why? Because that cross means love, great love. You know, there's, there would be no mercy. There would be no grace. There would be no salvation spiritually. There would be no eternal life. Your lost ones that are gone would, would be lost forever. If it wasn't for this day, there would be no church with, Chris, with bells ringing. I know if where I'm from in Pennsylvania, the bells rang on, on Christmas Day. Down here, I don't hear them that much, but there would be no bells ringing. There would be no agape love. There would be some other kind of love, but it wouldn't be agape love, unconditional, unpretentious love. There wouldn't be any deliverance. There wouldn't be any inspiring worship like you just heard today. There wouldn't be any redemption for your sins. There wouldn't be any promises. You know, I go online, and I'm looking for how many promises are there in the Bible. One guy says 3,000, another says 7,000, another says 30-some thousand. I'm thinking like, wow. Wouldn't be no promises. There would be no miracles for those of you who had miracles done in your life if the Lord didn't come down here. There'd be no hope. There'd be no comfort. There'd be no victory over evil. You know what? There would be no beauty for ashes. And there would be... No mansion set up for you in heaven. And there will be no garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness in your hearts. How many times did you get on your knees or throw your hands in the air or just, just be there and call out to God, help? It would be none of that. But now we know, all because Jesus came. And there's a whole lot of others we could go on about it. But, you know, don't ever forget this time of year, you know, and and. This is a great time for all of us to speak of our Savior Jesus to all the world, to your friends. You know, they're more open to hear the gospel now than they ever are during the year, usually except around Easter time. So speak up. As I mentioned, take the Bibles in the back. Take those Gospel of John's in the back of the seat. Take the daily breads and give them out to your loved ones and friends because eternity away from Jesus is a long, long, long time. Anyway, Pastor Brett's coming up. I love this guy. And Matt, I just love these two. They're like, like uh, I don't know, sons of mine. I don't know. <laughs> I just love them. You know why I love them? Because they love Jesus with all their heart. And you're going to see that today. So, Father, I want to pray for Brett, Lord, as he comes up here. And I thank you for the inspiring worship that you gave Matt to, to give to us, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit... Father, we know he's here. We want to hear from him. We want you to manifest yourself in such a powerful way. When we walk out of this place, we'll never forget Jesus Christ. We'll never forget the message, and we'll always follow after you. 
through thick and thin, whether we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will not fear evil because you are with us. So, Lord, let your Holy Spirit fall on us. Speak to our hearts. Each one you're going to be speaking to in a different way. And I thank you for that because we all need it in a different way. Thank you, Lord. We love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. Amen. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the beginning and He's the end. He is the first and He is the last. He is the one who was and is and is to come. He was the one who was dead, but behold, He's alive forevermore. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. And He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah who will judge the nations with an iron scepter. He is the King of glory. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He's the God of gods. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus. Do you know Him? He's the Messiah and the Savior of the whole world. He's the desire of all nations. He's the hope of all mankind. There's a song, I love it. I was listening to it, worshiping on the way here. I wake up worshiping, you go to bed worshiping, amen? You could dream and worship too at the same time. But it says, He's the hope of all mankind. Jesus, the Son, was born to die for you and I. Today I want to talk to you about this Jesus who is the Messiah, the Savior, and also the King and the Lord. Amen? If you got your Bibles with me, I hope you guys carry still the Word of God, the sword. And you read it and you know it. And you believe it. We're going to read a few different places today. We're going to read from a few different places in the Scripture. And I'm going to quote some verses in between, but there's a few kind of uh, main portions of Scripture I want to dig into. The first one is in Luke, Luke chapter 2. So just go to Luke chapter 2. Hold your place there. Once you go to Luke chapter 2, you can go back to... Uh, Genesis chapter 3, all the way in the beginning, first book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 3. Then you can also, well, I'll give you that one later. That's too many places at once. Isaiah 53. And some of you guys know that. Amazing chapter, prophesying, describing the suffering servant, the one who will come and die for our sins and take away the sins of the world. We're going to read that later.
I'm going to read Luke chapter 2. We're going to go to verse 8. I'm just going to read a few verses and we'll pray again. This is after the Lord Jesus had been born. Born of the Virgin Mary, He came to the earth. We're going to talk about why in a minute. But after He was born, there came this this heavenly host, these great heavenly hosts, and this amazing choir of angels. And it says in verse 8, there was living in the same country these shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. The glory of God came, and they were afraid Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day hope. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, again, we just come before You. We know Your your Word is holy and it speaks of Your one and only Son, Your Holy Son, God, Jesus, the Christ, the Savior. And so, Lord, as we open Your Word today, we open our hearts. We open our hearts, God. As Your Word says, if we render our hearts, You will render the heavens, God. If we tear open our hearts, You will tear open the heavens and You will speak to us and You will show us Your glory, Father. So we pray today that You will show us the glory of God which is found in the face of Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the One, the firstborn of all creation, the One who came and died for our sins and rose again, Father. And so we worship Him. And we invite everyone here today, God, not to just hear about Him, not to just listen and and learn about Him, but to worship Him, Father. The true wise men keep seeking Jesus. And so we invite all the people online, all who would hear my voice, Father, everyone in this church congregation today, to come and seek Him and find hope for their souls and salvation and eternal life, Father. I thank You, God. I pray you would reveal to us the face and the beauty and the splendor of our King, the King of glory, that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes and speak to us through your word in the name of Jesus. I pray. Amen. You guys are going to get a full-on Baptocostal service today. You guys ready for that? I don't know if you know what that means, but you'll find out real soon, okay? In this, in this amazing chapter, we see what happened when Jesus was born. We see what happened when Christ, the King, the coming Messiah, was born. The first thing I want you to notice was the angels of heaven, the heavens declared and proclaimed and described to these shepherds in verse 11 who He was and what He came to do. Today, they said, is born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now understand what this meaning, what this word means to these people, what these words mean to this, these Jewish people who are waiting hundreds, thousands of years. It meant everything to them. They had put all their hope, 
They didn't have hope in their world system. See, they were under the bondage of the Roman Empire. They were under type of slavery or tyranny. They didn't have hope in doctors and medicine like we do today. They didn't have hope in money and riches like we have today. They lived off of their daily bread and they looked to a coming king. They had sin. They knew they had been lost. They had fallen short of God's glory. They had a sacrificial system where every year they had to make a sacrifice day in and day out because they knew they were sinning and they had a holy God they had to face and he had a sacrifice that needed to be shed. Blood needed to be shed for their sins. Every year, every year, go to the temple, give a lamb, give an offering, give a sacrifice so your sins can be forgiven, so your sins can be covered over until one day there would come another one. There would come a final sacrifice who would take away all their sins. Amen. And they were hoping and they were waiting for thousands of years and prophecies upon prophecies. And now... The heavens come, the angels come, the glory, notice it says the glory of the Lord came around them. This was supernatural phenomena, guys. This was no joke, okay? This was no dream. This was no vision. These were shepherds, real men in a real field serving real sheep. And then all of a sudden, heaven invades. The glory of the Lord shines upon them. And they're shaking and they're trembling and they're afraid. What's going on today? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. We bring you good news, good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. The Messiah in the Hebrew, the Bible, the Messiah meant the anointed one, the chosen one who God would use to deliver his people. That's what they were looking for, guys. They were looking for the one who would come and deliver them from all evil. The one who will come and set them free from their sins. This Messiah is the Savior of the world. They said He is the Savior. He is Christ the Messiah. And He's also the Lord. Jesus is the Lord of all the heavens. Do you know that today? And this same Jesus who's the Lord of the heavens, He's the Savior of the world. Behold, I bring you good news. Whoever's listening, great tidings, great joy. Hallelujah. Oh, how miserable are we and how wonderful is He. Sometimes we just need a baptism of joy. Amen. We need to remember who is God that we serve. The King who came for us. One time I went to a conference. It was called the Power and Love Conference. I went to receive power, you know, the power of God, the the fullness of the Spirit, the power and love. You know what I got? I left there and I got a baptism of joy. That's what we need in the body of Christ today. We're too miserable and depressed and hunched over and sad. How are we going to reach the world if we don't have the joy? You know what our strength is? How did I get power? From joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. They said rejoice. This is not a day to be afraid, to be sorrowful, to be depressed, to be down. Christians should be celebrating and bringing out their best for Christ during these times, guys. People get all funny about it. Listen, on the ver- pagans do whatever they want. Pagans do everything. They, they make every holiday corrupt. But you know, on the first Christmas day, what happened? Angels came rejoicing with songs. Wise men traveled from afar. Bringing gifts to Jesus. That happened. 
on the first Christmas day. It's not a pagan thing to give someone a gift, amen? For God so loved the world, He gave us His only Son, the greatest gift, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. If you've lost hope today, there's hope in Jesus. If you've lost peace, the Prince of Peace has come. If you've come with no joy, rejoice, for Christ was born. If you sinned, the Lamb of God can wash you clean. If you're feeling condemned, the Lord of all can save you and deliver you from your guilt and shame. For this is why He came. Jesus Christ came to the earth, born of a virgin, through the Holy Spirit. He came and He lived and He died and He was crucified for our sins and then He rose again after three days, defeating sin and death and hell and Satan and the grave. Amen! And He lives now forevermore and He offers eternal life to all who would call on His name. Someone say hallelujah. hallelujah. I told you, we're going to be Baptocostals today. Maybe you're saying, come on preacher, I thought this was a Christmas service. You know, you're talking about Easter here, the resurrection already. Look man, I will celebrate everything Jesus did for me every day. We don't have to wait till December to remember His birth. We don't have to wait till Easter to remember His resurrection. The Bible says, for we've been crucified with Christ as Christians. And it's no longer us who's alive, but it's Christ who lives in us. We should be living the resurrection life. should be in us every day. It's not just an Easter thing. That's religion. If we're in relationship with God, we have life, an eternal life, an abundant life. Do you know every single one of you will live forever? Do you know that? Every single one of you will have an eternity but what quality will it be? You have an eternal soul that will live forever. You have a soul that God stamped with eternity. He made you in His image, and now you will one day die in the body, but your soul will live on forever. But what quality of life will you have? You see, we all have eternal eternity, but do you have abundant life? Do you have eternal life in Christ? For some will spend eternity apart from Him in hell, separated from Him, suffering. Others will spend eternity with Him, rejoicing and celebrating and worshiping in fullness of joy and fellowship with God. He will be with us and we will be His people. Amen? So today we're going to dig deeper into this. Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the King, and Lord. Jesus was the true Messiah, the awaited one, the anointed one, the chosen deliverer of God's people. The first thing God did was send angels to declare this. He is the Messiah, which also means Savior. From the day He was born, heaven declared this all the way till the day that He was baptized when Jesus came to be baptized by John. And then we see in John chapter 1, what did John, the messenger, the preparer of the way, declare? In John chapter 1, he behold, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So we see the heavens open, the angels coming and declaring who Jesus was. Then we see the messenger who was prophesied about in the old covenant. There will come a one who will prepare the way of the Lord. And he said, There he is. There he is. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. 
He came to John the Baptist to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness, not because he needed to repent. He came to John the Baptist to fulfill the covenant of righteousness, to fulfill the law. And he came in and he honored John and he said, I want you to baptize me as a testimony. And then when he came out the water, the Father descended upon him through the Holy Spirit. A dove didn't come. It wasn't a bird, okay? It was in the form of a dove, but it was the Holy Spirit of God descended upon him. The heavens opened again, and the Father himself declared, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen, guys, the Father, the people didn't even know that it sounded like thunder to them. They didn't know the voice of God. They didn't understand how to discern it. But the Father, the heavens opened. I don't know if that happened at you when you were baptized, okay? But there was one man it happened to, and his name is Jesus. The Spirit of God descended, and I love it. It says it remained. The Spirit descended on him and remained on him. And the Father said, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. So you have the angels declaring who he is. You have the messengers and the prophets declaring who he is. You even have God himself declaring who he is. John said, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the whole world. Why is this so important? What did this mean? See, since the beginning of creation, if you're listening online, if you're here today, maybe you've heard this before, maybe you have not, but I pray God will give you deeper understanding of what I'm about to say. Since the beginning of creation, mankind fell. Mankind had fallen into sin. And God Himself promised a lamb. He promised to send a sacrifice and a Savior that would cleanse us from all of our sin. To take away our sin. And this promise that God would send His only Son, it's as old as time itself. It's, it's, it's since the beginning of creation. So I want to take you back to the beginning. Go with me to Genesis 3. It's the very first book of the Bible. The very first book of the Bible. One of the very first things and themes we see happening. And many people don't realize this, but it's the very first prophecy of the Messiah given by God Himself. We're going to read Genesis 3 verse 9. This is after the fall, after Adam and Eve had disobeyed God and taken the fruit and Eve was deceived. Adam disobeyed and they sinned against the Lord together as one. And the Lord God then called to Adam and said, where are you? He was hiding. He was ashamed. So Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, what? who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I have commanded you that you should not eat? Now hear me, God already knew what he did. He was searching for his heart. Would Adam confess his sin? Would Adam expose his sin to the Lord and say, yes, Lord, I, I, I've fallen, I've disobeyed you. He knew what Adam did. Have you eaten? Then... The man said, Adam said, the woman you gave to me to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Typical, right? We get confronted. We've, we fail. We've blown it. We've fallen short. We blame the person next to us, right? 
And then the Lord said to the woman, What is this you have done? He held them all accountable. What does the woman do? She follows in the role of her leader. The serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord said to the serpent, Satan, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you shall go and eat the dust all the days of your life. He made Satan fall and crawl on the ground. And then he said this, verse 15, never forget this, chapter 3, verse 15 of Genesis. And I, the Lord, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and you, he shall, you shall bruise his heel, but he shall bruise or crush your head. Amen? This is the first prophecy, guys in the entire Bible, and God Himself declared it. In the very beginning, the book of beginnings, that's what Genesis means, the Father Himself reveals His plans, He reveals His purposes, and He shows us through prophecy His very will for all of humanity since day one. Since day one, guys. Well, it was probably day eight, okay? If you want to get technical. Since the very beginning, His plan was redemption. His plan was salvation. His plan was deliverance. His plan was to crush Satan under his feet and to redeem mankind through a sacrifice. Hallelujah. And these promises and these prophecies would all come through one man, the Messiah, the God-man, born, notice it says, born of the woman, the seed of the woman. Let me tell you something. Women don't have the seed, guys. If you haven't studied, you know, did your biology class and your, you know, physical, I won't get into it. The man carries the seed. The man plants the seed to the woman and she bears the child. Okay. So this was prophetic of a miraculous birth. How would a woman have a seed without a man? You see? And through this woman, it's interesting. Satan went to deceive the woman, ha, huh, I got him. He creates the fall of mankind through deception. Adam then disobeyed. And then God uses a woman to send a Messiah to then crush Satan. Hallelujah. Isn't, he, isn't his wisdom infinite? Isn't his power glorious? He, Satan uses this way to deceive and bring corruption, and God uses the same way to crush him because he's greater. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Take you back to Luke chapter 1. When was this prophecy fulfilled? Luke chapter 1, verse 29. But when she saw him, so now we're going forward thousands of years to, to Mary, okay? I'll read from verse 28. So there was a virgin who was betrothed to a, a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. He was of the kingly messianic, messianic line. And this virgin was named Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice. What's the command? Rejoice. 
highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Here's now the woman who God would cause enmity through, who God would here plant the seed into and then bring forth the Messiah to crush the head of Satan, therefore. But when she saw the angel, she was troubled at his saying, and she considered, what kind of greeting is this? And then the angel of the Lord said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and he shall be called, his name shall be Jesus. For he shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Of his kingdom there will be no end. This is a prophecy being fulfilled going back to Isaiah 9, verse 6, which says, Unto us a child has been born. Unto us a son shall be given. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of his government and rule there shall be no end. The angels declaring to her Isaiah, written almost 800 years before this. His name shall be the highest. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. He will be called the Son of the Highest. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I don't know a man? She was a virgin. She was pure. She was the chosen one. And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, what that Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Understand, he was not the son of Adam, guys. He was the second Adam. He was the son of God. He became a man through Mary's nature, through the human nature of Mary. He became a man, but he was the son of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John 1.1. And then the Word became flesh, born among us. Isn't this incredible? Sometimes I think we lose our awe of the gospel. We lose our awe of the glory of God. That, that there is a real God. This, this is a being who lives and dwells outside of a time and space. Outside of his creation. He dwells in the heavens. Heavens is his throne and earth is his footstool. And yet he looks down on us. He sees our need for a savior for forgiveness of sin. And he comes himself. He enters in to a body himself. What a mystery. Have you ever been in awe of that? Have you ever wondered at this? It's beyond comprehension. See, we all needed a Savior, we all needed this Redeemer because we're all lost. We all have a problem, and we all have the same problem. It is sin. We can call it whatever we want, and whatever disease, the new name they come up with, they want to call it in the world, because they don't understand sin and the root. 
You want to get rid of the bad fruit, you got to get to the bad root. And they want to give you all the pills to, to help you cover the, the, the fruit, the surface problems. Let me tell you, there's one pill that will heal your soul. There's one pill that will set you free, and it's called the gospel. Amen. It's the gospel of Jesus. He's the answer. We have all fallen, guys. We have all sinned, and we have all offended a holy, the holy creator God. We've become separated from God. What happened to Adam when he sinned? He ran from God. He hid from God. He felt naked. He felt ashamed. He was afraid of his voice. That's what's happened to humanity. They don't know God anymore. They don't know his voice. They run. They hide. They're ashamed. They're separated from the Holy One because we've become slaves to our sin and slaves to ourselves and slaves to Satan. Everyone has missed the mark. Every one of us has given into lies or lust or pride, greed, cheating, stealing, violence, drunkenness, jealousy, covetousness. Look around you guys. Go to the store. Covetousness. Wanting your neighbor's whatever. Immorality. Idolatry. Look around you. Look within you. We've all been corrupted. Such as is for all humanity. We're fallen. We're lost. We're, de- we're depraved. We're separated from God. We're condemned. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone, everyone has turned to his own way. Everyone. Romans 3 verse 10, And there is no one righteous. No one, not one. They have all turned aside. All are under sin. This is God's verdict for all of humanity. What a miserable verdict. Romans 3 verse 23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You see guys, we haven't just fallen short of some codes or some religious rules or some morality that our parents passed down to us or some religious system. We've fallen short of actually the glory of God. We were created for the glory of God to live in it, to encounter Him, to walk with Him like Adam did in the garden. And we've fallen short of His glory. Can we be restored? My goodness, preacher, this isn't much of a Christmas joyful message. Do you have any good news in your message? Is there hope? Is there any consolation? I say yes. You see, because the Bible also says Read the whole story. In Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But then it says in verse 24, Yet all of us can be justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Someone say, Thank you for verse 24, Lord. (laughs) Thank you for verse 24, Lord. In Isaiah 53, at the end of verse 6, So at the beginning of verse 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone has gone to his own way. But yet the end of the verse says, And yet the Lord has laid on him the iniquity 
of us all. The Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. Someone say, thank you, God, for the end of verse 6. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Isaiah 3, 53, verse 4 and 5. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Has he ever lifted a burden from your heart? Has he ever answered a prayer in your life? Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, and the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his wounds or stripes we are healed. Have any of you received healing from the Lord? Consolation for your soul. Burdens lifted. Prayers answered. It's because he was crushed in your place. He was beaten and bruised. Mocked and scorned. Oh, what a wonderful Savior. Thank you for the cross, Lord. There's a song I love it. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Hallelujah, King forever. And we thank you for the cross. Did you wake up thanking him for the cross today? If you're watching or you're listening and you've never understood the cross and what it meant, it's not a necklace, it's not a tattoo, it's not a work of art. It was God's work of salvation for you to die. He sent His Son to die for your sin, to give you eternal life. Maybe you knew this, maybe you know this, maybe you've heard this. Maybe this is the 20th, 30th, 50th, 70th Christmas message you've been to, Christmas service. Maybe you know about him. Maybe you know of him. But do you know him personally? Is Jesus your personal Savior? He is the Savior. He is the coming Messiah who came. But is he your Messiah? Is he your Savior? Do you know? Do you know that you know that you know that your sins are forgiven? Has your soul been set free of guilt and shame? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Or does your guilty conscience still bear witness against you? You see, Jesus said he will take away our sin, but with sin goes shame. It says, therefore, there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8. Those who have been justified by his grace. We've been accepted in the beloved. Ephesians chapter 1. Accepted in the beloved. What does that mean? The beloved son who God said at the baptism, Behold, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I accept him. He's my only son. He's my accepted son. He's my chosen son. Now through the blood of Jesus, that's how God can see you. Accepted in the beloved. Now to the skeptic, maybe there's some doubters out there. Maybe there's some, I don't want to harp on this too long. But maybe you're saying, preacher, come on, how do you know that Jesus is the only true Messiah, the only true Savior? There's so many religions, so many saviors. 
Listen, guys, I know there's people watching online that need to hear this. Jesus is the only way, and he is the truth, and he is the life. And let me tell you how you can know. You see, the Bible prophesied of him. It didn't just talk about what he would do. It actually tells us when he would come. It tells us where he would come from and what he would be doing when he came. The Bible is so clear. It's so accurate. It talks about the exact even timeline of when he would be born. It talks about the exact city he would come out from. I'm going to just quote you a few scriptures of prophecy. But the Bible prophesied when, where, and what. All these things down to the finest detail. Listen to these scriptures in Micah chapter 5. The Bible says that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Born in Bethlehem. But out of you, O Bethlehem, from you shall come forth the ruler of Israel. You think you're small, O Bethlehem, but out of you I've chosen you shall come the ruler of Israel. Micah the prophet. It was prophesied that he would come forth through a virgin. We've already read that in Genesis 3 and many other places it's written. In Daniel 9, it talks about, so Micah talked about where he would be born. Daniel 9 talks about when, even down to the week, down to the day almost, he talks about when the Messiah would be born. Daniel wrote this hundreds of years before the Messiah's coming, and it was so accurate that skeptics tried to post-date his book. Skeptics tried to, his prophecies were so accurate, they tried to make the date later to make it look more like man, Right? Daniel chapter 9, read it. Hosea 11, it talks about how Jesus would go into Egypt. It even prophesied he would go into Egypt when he fled from Herod. The angel spoke to Joseph and Mary, get out of Israel. Herod's trying to kill the boy. Take him to Egypt. And then it says in Hosea 11, out of Egypt, the Lord says, I will call forth my son. Details that no man could fulfill. The Bible says he would become a Nazarite when they moved back to Israel. They moved to the town of Nazar- the, the Nazarenes. He wasn't born there, but that's where he grew up. He became a Nazarite. Isaiah 61 said he would bring freedom and healing. The Spirit of the Lord, Jesus said, who he stood in the temple, one of his only sermons you see in the Bible when he was in the temple. One of the, sorry, one of the synagogues. He was in the synagogue, and he stood up. And it was his time as a man, as a man who came to full maturity, full age, to take his place as the priest of God. And he picked up the scroll of Isaiah and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me. And he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, and to open the prison door for those who are in bondage. And he said, This day, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What was he saying? He was declaring to be the Messiah. They said, what is this blasphemy? And he shut the book. And he went out and did exactly what the Spirit told him to. He came to set the captives free. To heal the brokenhearted. We read Isaiah 53. He would be crushed and crucified. In Psalm 22, listen to this. In Psalm 22, David prophesied about a thousand years before the coming of Jesus how he would be suffering and crushed and even pierced. Do you know that? Pierced. 500 years before crucifixion even existed, they're talking about piercing his hands and feet. And you doubt, O Thomas, the almighty hand of the Lord. 
The Bible prophesied his resurrection in Psalm 16. David was prophesying again. But Jesus said this from the cross. The, Jesus even quoted this, but David wrote it prophetically. For you will not abandon my soul in the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. He will die. It was a prophecy about death, but he will not stay dead. He will not stay in the grave. The grave could not hold him because he's the one, the resurrection and the life. He has power over death itself. The Bible says he would rule and reign forever and ever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. All these prophecies, so many. There was hundreds of prophecies. Jesus, one man in 33 years fulfilled all that. And whatever was left for his second coming, he will complete. Amen? But this is the Jesus that we serve, guys. This is the true Messiah. See, you can refuse him, but you cannot refute him. You can refuse and reject him, but you can't refute that he is the Savior of the world. No man did what he did. No man said what he said. No man died for our sins. So would you make Jesus your personal Savior? Oh, how wonderful and beautiful he is. And you'll never regret it. Remember Isaiah 9, his name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. It's his identity. Oh, how many souls search yet are still lost. How many religions seek yet have not found. How many people look for hope and love, but you're still empty. You need the Savior. All three major world religions have a Messiah. Christians, Jews, and Muslims. They all have a hope for a Savior, a Messiah, a coming one. Do you know that Christians, Jews, and Muslims alone, we make up about 80 to 90% of the world? 80 to 90% of the world believe in one God, believe in one Messiah, one Savior, but their Messiah has not come for them. Their Messiah has failed them. Their Messiah was false because they don't believe in the true Messiah who did come for them. See, we are saints, guys. We are saints of all the people of the earth. We know the one and the only true Savior, Messiah, who came for us. So souls, stop searching. Christ the King has come. Oh, mind, stop seeking. You can cease from striving. A longing heart, it's time to rest. The Prince of Peace has come. Rejoice, saints, rejoice. Go out from this place with joy and singing. Fill your house with joy. Let your neighbors see it and smell the presence of the Lord on you. You know, in Luke, just in Luke's first two chapters, there was four songs recorded. Four songs recorded of rejoicing. When the Savior was born, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Hark the herald angels sing. Christ is born in Bethlehem. Come on, guys. How miserable are we? And how wonderful is he? He's so good. 
He's so good. He's so awesome. Oh, if you would bask in His beams and just relax in His streams, you will realize He's the fulfillment of all your dreams. Can I say that again? If you would bask in His beams and relax in His streams, you'll realize He's the fulfillment of all your dreams. If you draw near to Him, because He's so bright, your clothes become white. Jesus, our crowns laid at His feet, and every knee bowed before His holy seat. Jesus, the King. Every earthly king drops their swords before the King of kings and Lord of lords. Come on, guys. Write a poem to Him. Sing a new song to Him, guys. If they sang four songs in Luke when He was born, give Him your best gift. That wise men brought gold and incense and mirror. Bring Him worship. He doesn't want... You see... When Jesus comes back in Revelation, the second coming, he says he's looking for a bride. He's looking for a bride. The spirit and the bride say come. That's beautiful. You know why? It doesn't say he's coming back for soldiers. It doesn't say he's coming back for super athletes. It doesn't say he's coming back for theologians. It says he's coming back for a bride. You know how that encourages you guys. If he was coming back for soldiers, he would be looking for the strong. If he was coming back for athletes, he would be looking for the, the ones who persevere, the ones who achieve. If he was coming back for theologians, we'd all need a better brain than we have, amen? But he's coming back for a bride. What does that mean? He's coming back for love. He's coming back for his church. He's coming back for his people. Oh, how great is the great I am that came as a lamb, humble and lowly. He left all his glory. The Son of Heaven becomes the light of the world. He came to bring back all the enemy stole. A baby born to die to set free you and I. Redeeming the sinner, oh what a Savior. Cleansing our sin to make us His lover. He overcomes evil by loving His people. Beautiful, wonderful, merciful Maker. The cross He accepted by man was rejected, but through His suffering... He saves us and was perfected. Who could have knew what this Messiah would do? But the Holy Father chose Him to be manifested through. By man, He was scorned, torn, beaten, and thorned. By God, accepted, resurrected, exalted, adorned. He is our King, guys. He's our glorious King. Look, if you could write a better poem than that, go home and write one of Jesus, all right? That's all I got. I stayed up till 2 in the morning right now for you. <laughs> Praying over it. Jeez, you guys. Before we close, let me just dig into one more thing. Just a few minutes. This is, this is about Jesus, guys. We, in heaven, the worship goes on. The praise. Is, if Jesus, if you don't celebrate Him and enjoy Him here, you're going to be miserable in heaven, guys. All right, I'm going to just tell you that right now. If you're ready to run out of church, you guys ain't going to enjoy heaven much, all right? I'm just, that's just a freebie. Learn to enjoy His presence. In His presence is the fullness of joy, and at His right hand, eternal pleasures. There's nowhere better to go. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Can someone say amen? Do I got to give you another verse? Okay. The Savior He is, and the Messiah He was. But let me lastly remind you, He's also King and Lord. See, He came to bring salvation and forgiveness of sins. 
But also learn this. He came to usher in a new kingdom and to take authority and rule and dominion over the earth, over the power of Satan and over the earth. Jesus did not come only to save you, but also to rule you. I have this prayer, Holy Spirit, come and be in me, not just as resident, but as president. He wants to be your Lord. He is the Lord. Amen. Jesus is the Lord of all creation and his lordship. He rules over all. His kingdom has no end. And instead of telling you all the historical facts of what the theologians or the prophets say about him, I'm just going to take you to the greatest authority, the greatest testimony we have that Jesus is God, that he is Lord, and that is the word of God and Jesus himself. I want to just read a few more verses and show you who Jesus himself even says he was because he is the greatest authority. Amen. I don't got to go and prove him through all these other means. He proved himself. He's God. And Philippians 2, the Bible says this. Listen, Philippians 2, you could just jot it down. It says one day. It says Jesus. Who was with God in very nature, did not. Consider equality with God something to be held onto or grasped, but laying it aside became obedient, servant, humble, even to death. And because of that, God has exalted him and placed him at the right hand of the Father. And then it says this in Philippians 2. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord. Every single tongue, every single soul, every single person and knee will bow before Him one day and they will confess, Jesus, You are the Savior. Jesus, You're the Messiah. Jesus, You are the Lord. Jesus. And Zechariah prophesied how even Jewish people who rejected the Messiah, they will see and look on the One whom they pierced. And they will say, you are the Messiah, Lord. You are the one that we rejected. Everyone. But you can do it now. You see, you can humble yourself now, or the weight of His glory will humble you later. You can bow now and worship the King. Or you will bow down and worship Him then. But one day, He will get the praise that He's due. Everyone. Jesus himself declared to be king. Remember his conversation with Pilate. Even before that, I'll just quote it quickly, but when he was arrested, Peter took out his sword. The disciples began to fight for him. And Peter went to strike the guy and cut off his head. Okay, it wasn't just, Peter didn't go with a butter knife and just give him a little flesh wound. He was going for the head and he missed, or the guy had good, you know, boxing. And the guy dodged the sword strike and the ear was cut and Jesus went he took the man's ear put it back on his head and healed him okay that was his last miracle in the bible if you didn't realize it and then he went like even even he's about to be arrested and crucified and he's healing the guy's ear that came to beat him and crucify him okay then he goes to Peter put your sword away don't you know who I am don't you know that I have the authority to call heaven's armies to earth? 
He's the Lord of heavenly. That word is the Lord of heaven's hosts. The Lord of hosts. The Lord of the angels' armies. I can call the legions, Peter, of angels. Put away your sword. When he stood before Pilate, Pilate said, Who are you? Are you the king? Jesus was silent to fulfill prophecy as a sheep led before the slaughter is silent. He was being silent, accused falsely. Are you the king? Speak to me. Don't you know who I am? I have the power to crucify you. He said, you have no power over me, no authority except that which my father has given you. Well, who are you? Are you the king of the Jews? Are you the coming king? Jesus said, I am, but my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is of heaven. My kingdom is not of this world. You see, guys, Jesus declared himself to be king when he was crucified on the, on the cross, above the cross. There was written in all three of the major world languages for the testimony to the whole world. It was written in Latin. It was written in uh, Greek. And help me out, theologians. Aramaic. King of the Jews. God himself forced that pagan hand of Pilate to write the identity of the Savior. Jesus said in John 8, verse 18, He said, I am one who bears witness of myself. I don't need, I don't need your testimonies. I don't need, where does your authority come from? They kept asking Him, where, why, but what authority do you do these things? By what authority do you say these things? He said, I bear witness of myself. I'm the king of heaven. And if that's not enough, the father who sent me bears witness of me. My father. Guys, we have the prophets. We have the John the Baptist testimony. We have the angels in the heavens declaring who he is. We have the word of God declaring who he is. We have the son of God himself declaring who he is. And we have the father God telling us who Jesus is, guys. Do not be confused in this world of deception. Don't get lost in this world of false religions and man-made systems, guys. Don't give in to the deceptions of this wicked age. Jesus is the King and the Lord. He said, you are from beneath and I am from above. Peter testified, I'm not going to go there just for sake of time. I'm just going to quote it quickly. In Acts chapter 2, filled with the Holy Spirit, the final testimony I'll give you, the Holy Spirit testified who Jesus was. Peter said, this one, this man, Jesus, who God, uh, God basically declared who he was through his miracles and signs and wonders, this man who you crucified, Jesus raised from the dead and made him both Lord and Christ, Savior and God, Savior and Lord, the Spirit's witness. So is he both your Lord and your Savior. He's either Lord of all or He's Lord of none. Remember what we read in Luke 2. Today is born to you a Savior, but He's also Christ the Lord. I want to bring us back to the cross and then we close in prayer. The final act that He did, it was probably... I would say his final miracle. It was the greatest miracle. It was the greatest sacrifice. It wasn't the ear. I take that back. 
When Jesus died on the cross, he said it is finished. Now this means something so significant, something so powerful. And I just want you to hear this, guys, and we're going to have a nice time of prayer. Maddie, you can prepare a song if you want in closing. This, this phrase, it is finished, this word, it meant many things to these people, guys. You have to understand. And when Jesus was nailed on the cross and he was crowned with thorns and he was beaten and scorned and he was hanging there dying, breathing his last breath right before he gave up his spirit to the Father. He said, what was the word? You guys remember the word in, in the Hebrew or the Aramaic? Jesus said, die." That word which means it is finished. You see, in the ancient culture, he was saying his work was finished. His mission has been completed and the Father's will has been accomplished. In the ancient times, that word tetelestai was used by different groups of people for a number of reasons. I'm just going to name a few. When a debt, when a person had a debt and they were paying that debt off for years sometimes and then the debt was finally paid in full, the banker would write them a ticket. They would write them a slip like a receipt and they would put on that receipt when the debt was paid in full to tell us die. It is finished. Your debt is paid. You're free to go. When, a, when a, a servant was doing a task, another one, when a servant was doing a task for his master, you know, a servant and a master, he'd work in the fields or whatever, and the mas master would give his servant a job to do, the servant would go out sometimes for days and weeks to accomplish it. And when the task was completed, he would come back to his master and say what? Master, Tetelestai, the work you sent me to do is finished. When a war was won and an enemy was defeated, another time they would use this word Tetelestai. They would go out to battle. They would fight. They would lose soldiers, hundreds of lives. You guys know war and bloodshed. And they would go out. And when the battle was finally won, the victory and the victorious army would come back and they would go to their king. And they would say, the enemy's been defeated. Tetelestai. Listen, if your soul isn't shaking, maybe you're spiritually dead or asleep. When a wedding banquet was prepared and the, the host of the banquet had finished the preparations, he would go out and send his servants and call the people to come. And you know what they would say? It is finished. The banquet is ready to tell us die. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he was saying, Father, it is finished. The weight, the weight of sin has been placed on me and the debt has been paid in full to Telestai. He said, Father, it is finished. The work that you sent me to do, your servant has completed his mission to Telestai. Father, the enemy's been defeated. The war is won. I finally crushed the serpent's head like you prophesied about in Genesis. It is finished. And now the Father says to us, Tetelestai, the gates of heaven are open. The wedding supper of the Lamb is ready. It is done. 
it is ready, so will you come? You see, guys, you can refuse him, but you can't refute him. And how long can this love, how long can you run from such a love? Today is the day, and I invite you all, we're going to pray now, and I invite you all to make Jesus Christ your personal Savior, personal Messiah, and personal Lord and King. The Lord God loves you, and He created you. And by Him and through Him do we live and move and breathe. This week I got so attacked spiritually. I almost had like a panic attack. It was this weird spiritual moment. I had to pull my car over. And I said, God, I need breath from you. I need breath from you. The enemy's on me. He's trying to stop me. I can't breathe. I don't know what's happening. I know the battle. There's still wars to be won. The war is won, but the battle still needs to be fought, right? And I said, Lord, I'm not finished. I'm not finished. Your servant hasn't completed his task. So let me have strength one more time. And I felt the Holy Spirit come into my car, man, and just fill me with his power. It's by him that you breathe and move. And he created you to know you, to love you, to have fellowship and relationship with you, to enjoy his glory. That's why he sent his son, because you were separated from it. So 2,000 years ago, he died. He came as a baby to die for you. So this is personal now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go sit down. This is just a personal time with you. At the end, I have one more announcement, but I want you to take a moment to just pray. Online, here in this room, pray and ask the Lord to speak to you, to touch your heart, to become your personal Lord and Savior. We'll just do a song and you guys take that time with God.